This is the Defenders podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about the penultimate episode of What If, Episode 8, What If Ultron Won. They did it. They really did it. There's still hope. Oh no. I found you. I finally found you. So many universes. So much chaos. They need to be silenced. You do not have to do this. Oh, but it's my purpose. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. It is I, Chris. You are listening to the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. And you know what? We're talking about the penultimate episode of What If. What if it was an amazing episode? Because it was episode 8. What if Ultron won? I am joined by my illustrious co-hosts. The best producer. The best man in the world. uh, Derek. Hey, Chris. Good to see you. Hello, hello. And sitting beside him, not too far away, but on his own mic, the one and only... A John. Why, thank you. Hello there, fellow Defenders. Uh, Welcome to this episode, yes? Penultimate episode of What If? Yeah. And uh, dare I say it, Ultron. I do keep thinking it's like a clothes conditioner or something that you put into... put into the washing machine ultron okay (laughs) it is just a tyrannical mechanical a a mechanical a tyrannical mechanical machine that will destroy that wasn't too (laughs) bad in one episode in one film but seems to have somehow destroyed the world and then the universe and Mm -hmm. then the multiverse Maybe, maybe, maybe we're going to talk all about it as we get into our spoiler-filled discussion. Just the three of us here this week. I uh, do want to say a huge thank you to Jason from Podcastica who joined us last week uh, for the episode I felt was the worst of the season so far, but it did at least lead directly into this episode. So we do, we did have uh, that that qualified. So last week I gave that my worst rating of the season. Didn't defend it. The only episode I haven't defended of any of the Marvel shows, I think, on Disney Plus <laughs> this year. Um, but at least the ending of it did make sense and now has a connection to this episode. So that does make it a little better. Yes, a little yeah. spoiler at the me. end, really, of what was yeah. to come. Now now we know, of course. Yes. Exactly, exactly. So it was a bit weird. We we, we kind of have jumped into the next episode but went back in time in a different multiverse where we yeah. can now understand. It's done some explaining. It's done some explaining. But let's get into it with, very quickly, the episode details. Derek, do you want to tell us who gave us what? Absolutely. Executive producers for the show, once again, Brian Andrews, AC Bradley, and Brad Winterbaum with Kevin Feige. A head writer for the show is AC Bradley. This time, uh, writing duties are Matthew Chauncey, who's written a number of episodes uh, during this season of What If, and directed, once again, by Brian Andrews. But John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. One lost battle can change a multiverse. Tony Stark's tech experiment has gone rogue, as Ultron, having taken the Mind Stone and Vision's vibranium body, defeats the Avengers and begins his mission for peace on Earth. After his nuclear obliteration of the human species, Ultron begins to bring peace to all corners of the universe, along with the power of the remaining five Infinity Stones taken from a bisected Thanos. 
eradicating planet after planet, only Carol Danvers in space and Clint Barton and Natasha Romanov on Earth stand in his way. While Natasha and Clint looked to an analogue piece of tech in the form of Arnim Zola's consciousness to infiltrate and bring down Ultron and his hive, Carol decides to fight fire with fire, but she is killed in a face-off deep inside the core of the planet Xandar. With his mission in the universe complete, Ultron hears the voice of the Watcher. Discovering the existence of the multiverse, his mission is suddenly renewed, peace in our time and across multiversal space. On Earth, Barton sacrifices himself to allow Natasha and Zola, now in the body of an Ultron drone, to escape Ultron's drone army, as Zola is unable to upload himself to the Hive. Ultron is no longer just off-world, but outside of known space. Being attacked by Ultron in the multiversal plane, the Watcher uses all his power to limit Ultron's zeal to spill across universes and prevent their destruction. They battle across the multiverse until Ultron gains the upper hand. The Watcher flees and reluctantly accepts that he must intervene, asking Stephen Strange Supreme for his help. Not Stephen Strange and the Supremes. Just no, <laughs> nor Stephen Strange's Chicken Supreme, um, which is his, you know, his, his go-to meal. Mm, but our first character really being brought back from previous episodes with Stephen Strange, the one that we weren't sure whether uh, he was dead or whether we would see him again. We thought it was kind of likely with him being in his own little pocket universe, or as he calls it himself, the jail that he's left for himself. Right? Well, exactly. He is now, along with Ultron, um, the only one to be able to hear the Watcher. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's very true. If there is any indication of what people thought of this episode, or whether an episode is good or not, usually for me, it's how much feedback we get from our wonderful fellow defenders. I think we have feedback from almost everybody that listened to the show uh, this week. No, 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 not that many. We do have a lot of feedback, uh, though, so I think people were very excited to see this episode, especially after the rather disappointing last episode uh, that we had with Party Thor. Um, so <laughs> at least we at least we know that everybody's back on board for these final two episodes as well. Very true, very true. Um, so let's jump into it. Let's get into the what if we had a top three. What if we had seen this before? Mm-hmm. Um, so very much our first point, which is let's go through the cinematic universe of the MCU touch points on the films and TV shows. Mm. Um, so straight, you pretty much the, 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 the starting point is what if in Age of Ultron, they were not able to steal Vision's body back? That is the, the, the central cruxing moment, the origin point, if you will. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Of course, Ultron being introduced uh, back in that movie and ending in that movie so we don't ever see him again. So it has to be uh, hinged on that overall. But my God, when I was putting through this list of Cinematic Universe movies that this episode touches, I don't think there is a one that it doesn't touch, to be honest. From that point onwards, at least, there are so many different places that are destroyed that are if the feature in different movies so they're going back and forth destroying places like xandar and ego and sovereign which are in guardians of the galaxy uh, we have the siberian facility in here which was in captain america's civil war yeah. um we even have hawkeye having his replacement arm that's winter soldier's arm effectively yeah. so that's kind of touching into captain yeah. america winter soldier right so uh, so is there what else what other movies do you well, think along with on and zola as well mm-hmm. from uh winter soldier yeah i almost feel as though iron man one should be in uh should be referenced here because ultimately 
it is from the creation of Jarvis and, and just the the AI Jarvis there mm. now all the way through and, and that unlikely meeting of minds that results from this what if uh, with uh, Ultron effectively taking over Vision but Jarvis has been taken into Vision as mm-hmm. well so yeah. the, all this really comes down to sort of I think Iron Man's little sort of tech experiments around building not only this protective shield around the world, but through his his AI interface, yeah. which is Jarvis originally, and then we get Ultron. Yeah. Uh, and it does, I think, really solidify my my view that if they did a what if Jarvis and Vision were never created, it would just be everyone having sort of <laughs> cups of tea and, and scones and stuff like yeah. this. Uh, because, like, they're a disaster for the MCU, quite frankly. I mean, whatever about the odd bad guy coming in, um, through one of, you know, one of the MCU movies, um, quite frankly, all this is just like vision and vision's fault, really. <laughs> well, kind of. Yeah. Uh, because as well, the connection with, with Wanda later on, you know, a bit of, uh, inter, Android, yeah, kind of uh, love, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I I was saying this to one of our wonderful fellow defenders over on on Facebook about the use of the characters like Tony Stark and and Vision um, and Hank Pym um, that we see in the what ifs all the way throughout, where uh, they have been the cause of, or are at least in some way responsible for all the bad things that are happening in the universe. And I think the point is the best version of those characters that we've seen is in our regular MCU. All these alternate versions in all the multiverses are awful and are ready to destroy all of those universes effectively. So the best ones we've seen are Tony Stark living all the way through and sacrificing everything to save that universe. Uh, in here, he dies in every episode, right? Because he's destined to die. That's That, I think, is, yes. the, uh, is, is what we're taking off from, from Tony anyway. But uh, Vision in the MCU in general has been a savior character uh, up until at least, yeah, even even up until uh, WandaVision. So uh, he is pretty much a savior character. But in all these episodes, yeah, I wouldn't want to be in any of those universes with that, with that first division. The only one I will call out is Star-Lord T'Challa. Yeah, because exactly. you could argue with that 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 episode where the the universe as a whole mm-hmm. up until that point is slightly better because of T'Challa being Star Lord versus Black Panther. You could, I can see that. I just put just putting that there now, just in case oh, one of our fellow defenders say that. Um, but I agree. Look, this this touches and has outside of the majority of the phase one. So let's take phase one out of it. This essentially phase one was. All happened. Yep. It is essentially just Ultron and Phase Two onwards. And for me, the the the, the fact, uh, what I like about this is such a, it's a very simple divergence in that the the attack when they were trying to get Vision's body back or the the, the android body chamber from Chow's um, kind of lab that was under, I think it was going through Korea when they were in the Quinjet and we had that fantastic motorbike scene yeah. and all that. What if they failed? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's, so that's the Age of Ultron part of it. Any yes. other movies that they touched on throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe? 
I guess with Thanos arriving as mm-hmm. well on Earth, then at least um, <laughs> in terms of the end of Infinity War. Um, Absolutely. And uh, That one made me laugh because yeah. we did wonder last episode how Ultron got his hands on all the Infinity Stones. And it is literally Thanos walks through, Ultron goes, oh, interesting, cuts him in half and takes the stones. <laughs> it's like, well, I guess there's no threat from, Ult- from, from Thanos anymore. That's pretty yep. good. <laughs> well, that was, I'm not going to lie that bite acting was fun um, it was the, fun yeah. the, the one I did find interesting and I think one of you guys put it in your notes but I'm going to steal it is the Black Widow and I saw it as well I swear I'm taking it for my own um, the Red Guardian shield the, the shield that Natasha Romanoff is using um, for a fair, fair amount of towards the end of this episode um, it, it, she she spins it especially in the winter garden section she uses it very nice but let's call it a link back to the black widow yeah this is a discussion where she's uh where herself and uh clint are looking for the information effectively in uh in russia yeah it's underneath the kremlin i think mm-hmm. uh, in fact i think we've seen that particular facility in, uh, in mission impossible yep. <laughs> one of the mission impossible yeah, movies they go, they yeah. go there um but yeah she finds the shield and, and takes it out and says if is it is it her color and it, it looks like it could be red guardian shields it's either it's either white and red or it's that old clear one that had the clear plastic and the and the uh, the red symbols for Captain America. So it might be Captain America's old shield, maybe that the Russians have. Yeah, maybe. Which would be quite I, interesting because again, different universe. Um, yeah. you know. I kind of took it as the Red Guardian's mm. shield as well. Yeah. Um, so nice you know, just because he had been sort of retired in yeah. Black Widow, so you know they put. They put his shield into the the Raiders Storage. of the Lost Ark, uh, kind of reference yeah. for for the storage facility. Yeah, that's what that's what I was thinking that it was actually a Black Widow reference. This quickly after Black Widow came out. Again, remember this is an animated show that was being animated over the course of the last few years. So really good that they were able to get that reference in there to Black Widow and to Red Guardian. So uh, very cool. Um, Lastly, I guess Ragnarok's in there again. We see Asgard get destroyed. We see Sakaar getting destroyed once again. So that yeah. was that was a pleasure to see as well, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Everything was destroyed. It really and, uh, was. It was especially you. You look you, like we know that you get some perverse pleasure with the destruction of the anything Thor Ragnarok esque. Yeah. Um, so it's fine. We understand. When it. Love and Thunder comes out and you think it's the best thing since sliced bread because Nick Fury's back in it and uh, it touches on the Howling Commandos or whatever, mm. we will you will eat crow, but it's fine. I'm waiting for Secret Invasion for that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all good. Uh, let's move on. If that's all the cinematic universe movies covered, uh, let's go on to the small change itself. We talked about it a little bit uh, earlier on. So Chris, specifically mentioning the scene itself where... Uh, Ultron obtains the body of Vision before the Avengers get there to take the the Vision body back and bring it to life effectively. So, yeah. um, so that's that's the main change. And then after he destroys the main timeline, he discovers the multiverse. So those are all elements of change afterwards. But simply that that's the big change. It's Ultron getting the body of Vision. Right? It kind of felt like a Russian doll, didn't it? A bit. It was like you know, peace on Earth. Um, and then it, I, and I don't know why he wouldn't know about the rest of the universe, which is. Um, you know, given what's happened and given the knowledge out there, but I, I guess, um, I, I guess that is dubious, isn't it? Because you know, Ultron is created for a protective shield, so mm-hmm. there's already been the attack on New York. Yep. But nonetheless, you know, it, it suddenly once his his mission is complete on Earth, 
Yeah, he realises with the arrival of Thanos that there is a whole range of other places that he needs to bring peace to through destruction. Yeah, um, it, it's an interesting yeah. one, isn't it? Because, again, he's a, he's a machine. He was he is programmed with protecting the Earth. It's, it's what his initial programming is. As he learns more and as he sees more of what the Avengers have done on Earth and what's happened because of the Avengers, he chooses that the best way to save the Earth is to destroy all humans. Um, you know, then the Earth will be absolutely fine. And, and we might as well start with all of the Avengers because they're the ones that have caused all the trouble in Ultron's mind. So it is a singular mission built on the fact that he's supposed to be a protective shield for Earth. But once that mission is complete and he discovers that there's other planets he can bring peace to and <laughs> yeah. he decides that that's going to be his next mission exactly it's, his definition of peace is uh is interesting and i suppose it, like I, I do love the concept i remember back when we were doing our age of ultron review all, all those years ago five six years ago i guess when we were when we were podcasting about that i think that was the first movie we reviewed um but i i remember that concept where he's kind of going Oh, well, you know, the easiest way around this is just to kill all the humans and everybody going, uh-oh, we've made it pretty powerful. That's not going to be good, is it? Um, so I, I, I like that they've incorporated that, uh, that central idea that this is his version of peace on Earth is remove all conflict, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And then, of course, it's the, ooh, there's multiverses, right? I now need to bring peace to them as well. Mm. I mean, this is kind of, in a sense, of it's almost like the conquistadors coming to bring the the indigenous americans peace we're coming to bring you peace and uh -huh. then effectively slaughter them yeah. so it it's kind of uh, that similar thing in my in my mind coming back to earth i think uh, i really enjoyed um uh black widow and hawkeye here yeah. both hawkeye's sort of metal winter soldiery arm yeah. but also I just love that chase through where he's firing all the arrows. Mm -hmm. Um, I love their plan with, uh, we need some analog tech here, you know. Um, I guess, you know, they could also just use sort of a, a really ancient abacus and smash <laughs> it over Ultron's head. Might work. And um, that could work as yeah. well. But bringing in uh, Arnim Zola, I thought that was really nice. And, yep. um, you know, touching, as we've talked about on, you know, the Siberian facility in from um, Civil War, but mm -hmm. also uh, then just the escape from it and the sacrifice of Hawkeye. I, I don't think I've ever liked Hawkeye as much as I did in that moment. Like, I just thought that mm. was really epic. I loved how that was shot. The sort of, you know, him doing his signature twist as he goes down. Um, and then just the, the, the slow motion of that kind of wide shot with all the drones coming up and their red faces um, and, and the light on them. And then the explosion. I just thought it was really, really cool it yeah. had such an epic feel it really did throughout this episode those those action sequences i suppose from from that moment at the beginning all the way through just seemed fantastic yeah 100 i loved the, the idea of the skyscraper city battle of moscow 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 we'll call him it sounds so much better than moscow like moscow? it's it's real name yes moscow yes yeah. yes moscow <laughs> um as you can tell my russian is really good yeah um Overall, I, I just love that, that cinematic battle. The, the, the bit where Black Widow goes through a very tight tunnel and then flips the bike and you see just that overall. If we were to see that sequence non-animated in live action, it would potentially just jaw-droppingly good. Seeing Jeremy Renner jump off a building and kind of do those flips and the, the actual, it would probably be impossible 
without movie magic for a live action version of that. Mm. But still, it would look so impressive. Um, So this is one of the bits for me that I just found so satisfying. It's probably the best word is literally was just every scene of action in this and storytelling was just cinematic yeah it, it, it was that like no, you could replace it with live action and it would just be that's a that's a movie scene that's De- something you definitely absolutely yeah, or this definitely. is the episode that you'd probably put up on the big screen yes i watched it the first time on a pc and then watched it on the big screen our, our big our big tv effectively and it was even better the second time watching the action sequences so um just couldn't get to the tv yeah. the first time it, to watch it it, it <laughs> so, was really really good really, good. really epic yeah, in fact, this would probably be the episode of What If that you could probably put up on the big screen because the action is so visual, it's so yes. it's so well done that it would probably stand alongside a lot of the other action sequences we have seen in MCU movies. Um, just just really interesting. I wonder how long it's taken to get to this point where we just have Natasha and and uh, Hawkeye left. It's, it seems to have been quite a long time, especially because we have Hawkeye obviously having lost his arm. He's got his uh, his haircut that he had. Um, by Infinity War, so that's what six or seven years after <laughs> after uh, mm-hmm. after Age of Ultron. So perhaps that's an indication that they've been running around the world trying to find ways to take down Ultrons uh, for this long. Yeah. Um, he also has uh, Harry Potter's invisibility cloak, which is quite interesting. Yeah, he well. does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a piece of tech we haven't seen in uh, in any of the MCU movies, right? Oh, very much so. Yeah, like, I, like that's one that I was like. Interesting. I liked it. It was fun to see. It's very cool. Who built in the tech? Who was still alive? Well, exactly. Uh, a Slytherin, most likely. Well, yes, yes. Or Tony Stark. He was still alive for a very short period of time uh, in this episode. We did see him pleading uh, with uh, Ultron uh, and then dying. So, yes, and we saw again. Thor dead on the ground as yep. well with uh, Meow Meow standing up. Uh-huh. The other um, the thing I really liked as well is, you know, we, we talked about um, Hawkeye's death leap there and sacrifice. Mm. But, um, you know, not only was it so visual and really epic, I like that link to Vormir as well from Endgame mm. in, in in the sense of, you know, with this plan with Arnim Zola to put his consciousness into the hive mind of Ultron, it's to save the world and... Obviously, in Endgame, it's to get the um, the Infinity Stones collected back together, and yeah. in order to reverse what Thanos did and save the world. So, I, I, but I just like that it 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 took that moment and, and reversed it effectively yeah. with uh, Hawkeye um, having the sacrifice as mm-hmm. well. Absolutely, because he was so intent in Endgame of of him being the one to sacrifice himself. So he does end off sacrificing himself in a very similar way. You know, they're they're both hanging on a cliff and and game in this hanging off the top of this building uh, of the head they're climbing out of this building and then ju- him jumping back in so it really did feel uh, exactly like Endgame I wonder if they used that as a, as a template for the for the art even and the placement of the positioning of the of the animation uh, be, it'd be really interesting to see if they do a making of uh, oh and I assume at this point now we are getting a making of I don't I think it will be a series making of like the rest of them and I think it will yeah. be 30 minutes and it will give a lot of the, it will be a lot of the the animators are talking to the, the concept art and Mm-hmm. Why they thought so. this would be a good one and the overarching yeah. story and etc. Yeah, yeah it'd be so. really good. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That kind of bit with with Widow and, and Hawkeye before we go on to uh, Ultron versus Watcher. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He is yeah. not just simply a yoga instructor no, or, he's or not. a Tai Chi uh, instructor uh, giving off 
philosophical vibes <laughs> on um, sort of balance in the force. Yeah, yeah. It, it's really interesting. Even from the opening moment, his his opening dialogue for this particular episode is: "There's one that I've shown you other worlds. This is the one that breaks my heart." So he's obviously visited these uh, this moment before. He's watched these moments before, and what happens with this world before. But obviously, it breaks at some point, and that's his intervention. It's the moment where he talks in the in in this universe where Ultron has the Infinity Stones. And he can hear the Watcher. Yeah. He can see that the Watcher is here behind him and is wondering what's going on. And that leads him on the path to chase down the Watcher. <laughs> I have to say, Jeffrey Wright of this episode uh, was is absolutely stellar for me. I love him in this episode, especially when he's standing over uh, Clinton and, uh, and Natasha while they're looking for all the stuff. And you hear him going, just look there. Just look there. No, don't, don't stop looking. You're yeah, supposed to exactly. have hope in the face of it against all odds, you know? Uh, I love the pleading of the Watcher here that this whole thing will be solved without him actually having to intervene, even though he's standing in the same room. He's not willing to, like, push the box slightly to tap it and into their direction or anything like that. He's not actually intervening. He's just saying, please, 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 please. I know yeah, you no, it was really good. Yeah, good. It was great getting the Watcher involved. And I love the fact that, you know, um, he was... Um, he was a fighter, you know, suited and booted in his armor. Uh, I, I really liked the armored that, toga. Yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed that he had that fight in him. I mean, it, it he pretty much could ho- about hold his own against Ultron. Definitely. And even when yeah. I kind of thought, you know, with his skull cracking, he was able to sort of deliver the punch in order to escape um from from Ultron. Mm-hmm. And yeah, these visuals of them crashing between the different universes was just really, really cool. Fantastic. Uh, I must say, really yeah. enjoyed that. In the same way, I loved the visual of um Carol Danvers forcing Ultron effectively into the core of, of Xandar uh, and then him, you know, gradually prizing away her hands and mm-hmm. effectively uh, exploding a planet. Um, so, I mean, Ultron is, I mean, he's powered up to the absolute max here with, uh, I've, I guess, everything pre-Infinity Stones, but also with the Infinity Stones now. Um, like, and, and, you know, very perceptive that he can hear uh, the the Watcher because, and not only that, but you know, he's able to infiltrate into that sort of the there's the space that the Watcher inhabits mm-hmm. in order to be able to watch all the different universes, and um, and that's only really what Doctor Strange has been able to do in terms of being able to hear him. But yes. even Doctor Strange hasn't necessarily crashed through into that space. So I mean, Ultron is. Dangeroo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do hope the learning for the Watcher in season two is he should change his name to the Whisperer. <laughs> um, he just kind of, he, he has that volume issue where everyone's just hearing him now. He just kind of just like, it should be like this. <laughs> it's like he's totally outside of the universe, but he, but he should know there are certain beings that have, yeah. <laughs> that have quite significant yeah. powers. Yeah. De- definitely. Yeah. I love the little nods to um, uh, Ultron as Galactus uh, in that fight. Oh yeah, the, the, um, a- the across uh, the, the yeah across multiple universes, the the devourer of of planets. Um, I really enjoyed that. 
Yeah, that was really cool when he just grew to a massive head and basically ate a universe yeah. to, to yeah. kill the Watcher. It, it, it's absolutely something out of Fantastic Four. So at least we have a little Fantastic Four reference, I guess, uh, in, in the show, even though the Fantastic Four haven't appeared in the universe yet, of course. Uh, yeah. but, but it's nice to see a little reference to Galactus in there. It was very, very, very cool. Um, one thing, and I know I, I'm, I'm certainly not going to ding the episode for this because it's 30 minutes long. There's, thing, there's things you can't do within here, but... One of the things I've really loved that they've done in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, particularly with Thanos, was showing him using the individual stones for their powers and using them in different ways, controlling minds or uh, controlling the the uh, the area around people to confuse them and then using the power stone to beat to beat them those kind of things where you see the individual stones light up uh, something that just couldn't be done in this episode. It just simply seems like he gets all the stones and now he's really really powered he can punch people even harder and that's about yeah. it but, <laughs> I mean, but i like i like that uh that obviously incorporating these in and showing how powerful he is with them but i thought he yeah. did something with the reality stone where he resurrects all the drones because they all suddenly came up so i mean it looked like he was just using one of them just because it used the red motif yeah, so right. i yeah. just was assuming that was the reality stone maybe I think I think because of the way they're being re- resurrected, I was actually just thinking of the reverse of the Thanos snap, where he's going, I want to bring back everybody in the world, or the Time Stone, uh, where he's reversing them all being dead. But just because they're coming back, like from dust, it looks like the, the reverse yeah. of what Thanos had done. Well, that but, could be. And his staff that he sort of generated hmm. out of nothing, is, is that to focus the infinity, that... Uh, power, I wonder, because that that seemed to be attached into it as well, um, which I thought was really quite cool. Yeah. Instead um, of an Infinity Gauntlet, he has an Infinity Staff. Yeah, I yeah. guess. So. Yeah. Like, I, I did like it when it, it all he pulled the Infinity Stones to his chest, and you kind of got the atom swirls going round him yeah. of the different colours. I thought Absolutely. that was really, really pretty cool, actually. Absolutely, and, and effectively a little touch there of of course created by tony stark so he has the nanobots so very similar to how tony stark created his gauntlet from his uh iron man suit to get the to get the infinity stones that's pretty much what ultron is doing here when he's putting it into his uh into his chest so he's pulling it in with the nanobots so i thought that was quite cool as well it was a little uh, touch to his dad yeah definitely but but ultimately um the watcher uh, that final face-off has to effectively um, kick and run basically to escape the power of, of Ultron and just goes uh, then to the strange supreme that we saw. Um, and, and I look in his own little, I guess, micro universe that he has formed through his destruction of that universe. Mm-hmm. But I, um, I did like him coming out of that, the, the, the shadow of that universe and seeing his three eyes blink um, yeah. which was really cool plus you got all the you tentacles know, yeah you had tentacles and yeah. wings and horns and you name it mm-hmm. um it, it it was almost a bit the silhouette effect from um austin powers i guess or like prince at the super bowl where you know <laughs> behind the sheets of, of, of the tent with the the backlighting uh-huh. um but i really like that i like the yes, i like, like the three um the three eyes blinking mm-hmm. it yeah. was it was good yeah. i i for me this was just fantastic seeing the different you the, the the power the fight off the the play down the the between the two of them I will put it out that I was corrected by you two both last week in terms of the Infinity Stones and the multiverse and the, the how I was assuming it may behave mm-hmm. and their powers and stuff. Obviously, 
talking about our last episode. Um, so my knowledge was based on what I assumed the conversation was with it within the TVA and Loki, plus previous comic history within like the Secret Wars and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So anyone who didn't hear our last episode, essentially, I was under the assumption that uh, based on what we knew in the comic books and what was alluded to that the t- the, the the time stones and the, some of the infinity stones would not work in other universes because they wouldn't work in the TVA within the Loki series that this was not possible like the the infinity stones would not work when you hop from one dimension to the other because mm-hmm. they were tied to the original multi that original universe yeah that does not seem to be the case that is cool that is a, just a different law and that's fine it is the MCU law now well, I'm really happy they've confirmed this, really, because if you do take those two pieces of information we now have into account, I'm, I'm just really happy they confirmed it because I remember the reaction on the internet when people saw that comedy scene of the uh, of the Infinity Stones not working in the TVA and and Loki thinking, oh, I'm going to be all-powerful because I could just pick up any of the Infinity Stones. And the reaction on the internet was, well, you've ruined the entirety of the Infinity yeah. Wars saga because if if someone can just come in and take the Infinity Stones out of that universe then they're useless. There's, there's, there's no power to them, effectively. No. So all, all, all that's been clarified, if you put those two bits together, what's been clarified is the TVA come into a timeline, remove the object of power from that timeline, bring it to the TVA, timeline continues, and whatever that object of power was no longer works because it's no longer part of a universe. Whereas what we have here is Ultron with his Infinity Stones jumping in and out of different universes. That is its own timeline, effectively. It's yeah. Ultron's timeline. So the TVA have never been involved here. I guess they wouldn't last too long up against Ultron, to be honest. Probably not. Probably no. not. Well, no, for me, it was just... I, the, I'm i also taking that maybe wherever the TVA exists, outside of time and space and all known universes, potentially that is almost like a, a nullifying area for the infinity gauntlet power yeah and it, it could be and it feels like they would be neighbors to the watcher i mean if yeah. they are truly out of time and you know in between worlds uh, or universes yeah then um it, and it's the same with you know the 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 big spooky um castle where we saw he who remains it, it does feel potentially that they operate within the same space but he's the one that is the observer uh, and watches over Mm. and they will actually intervene which is kind of interesting as well because the big difference is remember tva and he who remains are all dealing with one timeline that they're trying to protect whereas the watcher is looking over multiple universes he's looking over total multiverses everything massively different all of time and space as as he says at the intro to every episode um the tva are trying to keep one timeline going with no divergence from it effectively so exactly uh, so you wouldn't see them jumping back and forth hopefully um anything else about the episode overall before we go into what's changed for the universe i suppose um anything else you want to talk about from the episode itself nothing for me i want to get into the, the the what's next instead of the what if what what's next absolutely well i i really have to give another shout out to toby jones uh, as um the awesome Arnim Zola in yeah. this episode. I love Toby Jones. I love what he's been doing in the, in these shows and, and his appearances. We've seen him now, what, three times, I think, in, in the episode so far. Um, but back here as his appearance as the 
seventies computer, the all knowing computer. I love that his introduction to um to Black Widow and Hawkeye is exactly the same as the introduction we saw in Winter Soldier, where he's yeah. he's playing it as the smartest guy in the room. You never knew I was behind it all. And they're going, yeah, we did. We've already met one of you before. Ah, yes, but do you know that there is a... Hy- yes, we know there's a Hydra. We know what happened to them. They're all gone now. Shield and Hydra are both gone. We need you to sort all of this out. Uh, what do you think I would be able to align with you? And they tell him the story and tell him what's happened, basically. So yeah. uh, so I love that. I love that that uh, he instantly takes over the Ultron robot. And Natasha's really smart, takes out the legs of that robot to make sure he can't run away. Um, I, I, I really like the banter, really like the, the play that he does not there. So great to see Toby Jones back uh, in, in this role again. It's really cool. Agreed. I, it, speaking of uh, cast, I thought it was it was initially interesting that we did, like, uh, when we just saw Jeremy Renner and then Toby Jones, I was like, oh, that's a very... Because not knowing, as they introduced the episode, I was like, not knowing fully what it would be, I was like, it's a very light cast. Mm. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I do like that they hid uh, Bender Cumberbatch to the end. Yeah, yeah, very uh, smart. As a starring, and I was like, that that's clever, because then we did not know Strange was coming. Because so often it happens that the credits of special guest star ruin a TV yes. show. Like, this happens yeah. all the time with those, what are they called, the, the CSI shows, where... Um, you have a special guest star listed at the front and you go, well, that's either the person who's murdered or the murderer in this episode yeah. kind of thing. So having better to come about you in here uh, right at the end, say, you know, and starring around and featuring, I thought was a really cool choice. Yeah. yeah. It, it was clever. Um, I just want to give props to the, the to the other voice actors. Mm-hmm. So I, I absolutely love Alexandra Daniels, who's so far in her work with Captain Marvel as mm-hmm. Carol Danvers. And then in particular, Lake Bell, uh, as uh, Natasha Romanoff, as Black Widow, absolutely like, killing that it. Is yeah. kind of a well-known actress. She is a well-known actor across Hollywood now, um, and just for her to come in and just do this, her own take on Natasha is, mm-hmm. is really good. Yeah, and then yeah, just like the the overall kind of Ross Marquand doing his kind of own take almost on uh, Ultron. Mm-hmm. He's played. He's known to have played the like the Red Skull, yeah. a few times. Um, but yeah, yeah. Ross Marquand, as always, is a, is a great feature to an animated show. You know, we we have mentioned him before. He uh, is from The Walking Dead, and we've mentioned him many times before on our podcast because he worked on uh, Invincible, which myself yep. and Chris covered earlier on this year. Um, well known to have a great. Uh, eye for detail on doing impressions and, and doing voices as an excellent 20 minute uh, session of him doing every voice you can think of under the sun and remember Ultron's voice is so recognisable because it's James Spader he's got a really recognisable voice and he's been around for decades in cinema so um, so Ross Marquand pulling out his James Spader impression, uh, his James Spader robot impression in fact uh, for this I think he did a great job, there's moments where I'm kind of going, that is that a line taken from Ultron that is just being transferred over? Because Marquand is so good at that. That's, and that's what I did think was happening. I, I did think, again, we were getting some of these, we're pulling it from the film mm. uh, at the beginning. And I was like, oh, no, wait, that's slightly, it's slightly different. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. It's like he's uh, saying peas in our time instead of peace in our time. No, I'm joking. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, I just want peas in our time. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I also, two or uh, Petit Poif, yeah. or which would you prefer? 
I also think there were a lot of rumors that we were going to see a live action uh, return of James Spader in, in some of the Marvel TV shows uh, earlier on this year. And I was wondering whether that rumor was because of his appearance in What If. But unfortunately, James Spader not back. But at least we have Ross Grand in there as well. Yeah. Good call, eh, Chris. Uh, thanks Thank for that. Uh, let's get on to our final point then. What if the universe was changed forever? Now, normally every episode we've mentioned this, there is a, a thing that happens at the end which changes the universe we've been overseeing or watching for the episode effectively. Uh, this time a little different. And in fact, last time we mentioned this, what fe- felt like a tag from a completely different episode. That's this entire episode. So, um, and here we're kind of looking, rather than a universe, we're kind of looking at the multiverse. So what's happened at the end of this that changes Everything forever, I guess, is, is where we are. Everything. <laughs> that is what changes everything forever. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> there is peace in our time and across space. That, that, I mean, but not quite because there's a lot. Or if there's infinite um, universes in the multiverse, well, then Ultron is going to be busy as a bee, to be honest. But mm-hmm. effectively... Um, it's it's the beginning of the destruction of the multiverse from um from Ultron, but with the potential um saving grace of the Watcher having to intervene by asking for Strange Supreme's help, mm. and that's the big thing. So we will ultimately see what happens in next week's episode. We will absolutely confirmed that this is a two-parter effectively for the finale as well. Uh, for me, it's a, it's the universal Avengers. Um, this is what we're the multiversal Avengers, if you will, mm. um, or the multiversal defenders, because it's strange. Maybe it's the defenders. Yeah. Anyway, the universe. Yeah. It's the Avengers or the defenders, a multiversal version where we are going to get, Zombie Hunter Spider-Man, we're going to, and the floaty head of um, Ant-Man, uh, Scott Lang, uh, we're going to get T'Challa, we're going to get Captain Carter, we're going to get Party Thor. I hope, no, I hope. Well, I, no, we have to because we saw, we saw uh, Ultron come in to that universe. So then the next bit is going to be Doctor Strange and thing um come in to save multi-party thor i think the watcher will look for people that will be useful to him so maybe <laughs> captain marvel from that episode of party thor yeah. because party thor is kind of useless. useless he's going off on a date so yeah. um he, he'll be left there i'm assuming party thor is dead and um, given that ultron mm. arrives out of there so that potentially that universe is is wiped out um yeah. because he's arrived <laughs> and uh, i guess he may have done something uh, similar to what he did to Thanos, but to Party Thor, I guess. Yeah. But um, so I don't know whether Party Thor will be there. I really hope the Hulk is there because you know original Defenders, you would have had the Hulk mm-hmm. with um, with Doctor Strange. It's a shame they can't have in the Silver Surfer there as well, and of course Wolverine. But I guess it's too early. Um, Interesting. I know there's been like thousands of lineups for the Defenders, oh, yeah. but I never would have put, put Defender Def- Wolverine as even one of the top four or top ten. Defenders <laughs> is probably, um, it, 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 it's not as maybe set in stone yes. who might be 
in in them ultimately they don't they um, don't have like an avengers phone that calls no, them up no they they really yeah. they really don't so i guess they're kind of um hr speak for being agile and responsive they're they're the just in time logistics team yeah because who do we need him right where do we need them there right do it and then you know they they come back and and get about sort of you know sorting out the dark dimension but it is usually no more is usually the fourth member just to, that's the original four but no silver surfer in this universe and no uh no more just yet we may no not just, just yet but I, that's my assumption we're going to get that now it is we quickly get a formation group plus a battle in the next episode yeah within yeah. 30 minutes which Absolutely. Doesn't seem like a long time. But has the Watcher been explaining all of these stories to that team that he's assembled throughout these eight episodes of the show? Is that the premise of the show, that he's been going through each of the universes explaining where he picked up all of these heroes to the heroes in front of him? And effectively, we start the next episode with him with, what, seven individual heroes from those universes? Now they all know how how the Watcher picked each of them. Maybe that's... Yeah, that, that could be. That could, yeah. that could not a bad idea. That's a yeah. good, that's a good idea. Apart from the last one or the previous episode, because that's where we see Ultron come and destroy it. So actually, Ultron has destroyed your your least favorite episode. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the touches, though, that we kind of haven't mentioned as well. So I suppose the simplicity of, or the simple way of explaining the Infinity Stones that they had to do in the movies with. Once Thanos gets them, he snaps his fingers, half the universe disappears. We get the stones back, we snap our fingers, that half the universe comes back. And that's kind of, you have to keep it as simple as that. Whereas here we don't see Ultron walking through a vortex into a new universe, snapping his fingers and instigating peace in that universe effectively, or his version of peace in that universe. So we don't have him easily able to walk through universes and just snap his fingers so i thought that was an interesting choice because it means it's going to take time for him to do all of this stuff yes and it's like it's it is important like you can't it would be really silly if he just kept walking through over <laughs> and over again and just snapping his fingers he becomes last... that kind of like scarred like 1970 it's like west side story he's just walking <laughs> and go, yeah. snap 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 da-da-da-da, snap 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 how terrible but, would that be but yeah. even if he was doing that it would still take time because of the infinite number of uh multiverse oh of course but he could um, destroy so... thousands of them yeah uh, no exactly a day, effectively um but the other thing as well was just you know one he has inhabited that space where the watcher was that was going red like um like his drones you know i was just wondering like his code running through there it felt um so i thought that was interesting i wondered what they were doing uh with that i think the other thing as well with um what i really liked about the interaction with um the Watcher and Strange Supreme was because you have Doctor Strange Supreme at saying, are you ready to break your oath? Because mm. like himself as a doctor with his Hippocratic oath, the Watcher's equivalent is that, you know, he sits, he watches, he observes mm-hmm. the multitude of of um, different things across space and time. So, yeah. you know, effectively, the Watcher has had to break his own Hippocratic oath here in that sense, yeah. um, which I thought was a nice little touch. It was a nice little touch. And I was wondering, we had a discussion at the end of the um, the Doctor Strange episode of What If, 
that has Stephen Strange become evil. This version of Stephen Strange, has he become evil? And he mentions here that he's in a prison of his own design. He's left here on his own. But there's certainly much more evilness to this Stephen Strange where he's telling the Watcher, I want you to say what you are doing and say that you're asking for my help and say that you're going to be breaking your oath effectively. So uh, it does seem like a much darker Stephen Strange than we've than I we think seen so. And it but it's also the fact that he, you know, he pleads with him to break his oath for just him. Mm-hmm. Um you know, at the end of his and he doesn't. He maintains, you know, his his oath. But this is different for the watcher because it's not the single individual and it's not a single universe all the universes are at stake here yeah absolutely because that's why i think with all the code lines running through were and the watcher was but now um you've got ultron inhabiting it it's like maybe you can do more damage from there um than simply you know, it's not like going from planet to planet. Maybe he can take out a universe much more easily. I mean, if he can turn himself into a Galactus-type thing to take mm-hmm. a galaxy, and I mean, it wasn't even a planet, well, then who knows what he could do from that vantage yeah. point, I guess. Absolutely. A total massive threat. And understand why the Watchers have done this. Yeah, absolutely. as I say, Trey Dangereux. Trey Dangereux, uh, indeed. Um, this episode was full of Easter eggs. And there's no way we're going to be able to catch all of them. Um, anything else about the episode before we go into any notes, guys? Anything else about the episode you wanted to cover all off? Uh, nothing from me. No. Nope. Then a couple nothing of notes from- then, I guess. Uh, I'm going to take one that I just kind of scribbled in. Um, President Rogers. Um, this was a nice, nice nod to both the 616 where there was a small bit of him taking office uh, and then the Ultimate Universe where he 100% took office. Yes, uh, What If comic. Um, in fact, in the main Marvel Universe, What If comic. Number that was it, sorry, 20, yes. Number 26, I think, uh, where it is called What If Steve Rogers was sworn in as uh, as president. So uh, ah. so where we see that is in the battle uh, between the Watcher and uh, and uh, Ultron, where he's punching the three universes. There's a universe where it stops, and Steve Rogers is swearing himself in as uh, as uh, president. That scene is very cool um, as well because we have a number of changes to that to that specific universe. We see everybody in New York taking out their phones and filming this battle, and then a snap, and everybody in New York is turned into Wakandans. Um, I, I love that as well. Yeah. Not only are they falling through different multiverses. Um, as we can see them cutting through these big jumps, we're also seeing the universe, the multiverses change or the universes individually change as yeah. well as they're there. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool touch. Yeah. We saw the skulls, then we see the more, we see pineapple, uh, guy again, the pineapple shirted guy. Oh, okay. That I made it, which is Taika Waititi. Right. Which is a, a nice nod again. We see him in there. Mm-hmm. Which was, I thought was fun. Absolutely. As I said, I know we're not going to get all of these drags. There's loads. There's definitely some of those worlds there that we should recognize from uh, from various movies that we've seen them in. Uh, I know myself and John were commenting one of the ones they went through actually looked like a Star Wars planet. Yeah. <laughs> Just because of the design of it, it really felt like one of the ones that we saw on uh, on The Bad Batch or one of the Star Wars animated shows. Uh, but the last one I want to talk about is just Captain Marvel's um, threatening of uh, of Ultron, where she says... Listen, Skynet. I've seen the yeah. robot, <laughs> robot movie, and it doesn't need a sequel because it's really, it's really interesting that they would choose that line. Um, Captain Marvel was set in 1989, and she was sent off out into the universe effectively. And then six years later, she came back to uh, our planet, 1995. 
But what happened in between those two periods, as we know, because we were alive then, was Terminator 2 came out. So Carol Danvers would have seen Terminator with Arnold Schwarzenegger and thought it was the best robot takes over the world uh, movie or killer robot attacks movie and never saw Terminator 2. So she's wrong. It did need a sequel because Terminator 2 is arguably better than Terminator 1, let's say. They're both great. They're both great movies, of course, but Terminator 2 is a fantastic sequel to the first and possibly one of the best sequels of all time. So uh, I just like that they put that line in for Carol Danvers to show that she wasn't around to see the actual sequel to Killer Robot movie. There you go. Very true. Nothing beats a good old Skynet joke. And may there be more? Let's see. <laughs> no, think- Terminator doesn't need any more sequels. Um, it's basically been trashed from sequels. But uh, <laughs> no, that's a, that's a really interesting timeline in the continuity of Marvel and the Terminator there franchise. You there you go. I was working on my continuity uh, for this episode. Excellent. I think that's it, guys, isn't it? I think so. I think it is time to move on to our defense. John, do you defend this episode? This penultimate episode of What If? Yeah, I really do. Um, I, I give this five ultra fresh Ultrons uh, out of five. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it comes with a really nice lavender scent after it's been through the washing machine. And <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I just, I just thought it was, this was a great, action piece and um, it maybe there's a little bit of contrast to the last one but of, there's now that that end piece makes sense here and um, I, I yeah i just loved all the 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 action in this i loved the watcher being um badass uh, i loved the fight between him and ultron i loved all the references to to raiders uh, as derek explained with with terminator uh, all of, you know, you've got nods to Galactus, uh, which is kind of interesting, you know, not that he is an eternal, but nonetheless, um, it, you know, it's kind of it's similar playing field or Marvel sandbox, uh, really on there. So I thought I just really, really enjoyed, um, just the flow of this episode and, and how it moved from Earth to the universe to the multiverse and mm-hmm. involved the watcher and the watcher ultimately coming to strange supreme and um, for his help uh, and yeah on his arnim zola is just it's a great little character it's even better that he's you know an a, a 1950s 60s computer mm-hmm. um it was just really good um i love the the little touch of Vormir with the sacrifice of Hawkeye as well. I really like that. Um, I think it really put a, you know, a, a teary but neat little bow uh, on, on what him and Natasha were doing in this episode. Um, and yeah, I absolutely defend uh, this, this episode of What If with five ultra fresh Ultrons. Out of five. Excellent. That's one of the biggest ratings I think you've given this year so far. This is the second one. Excellent. From this series, series. in fact. Very good. Oh, of course, Doctor Strange. Yes. Out of five as well. Very good. Yeah, loved it as well. Thought it was really good, especially after last week's episode. Uh, Totally defend this episode. Um, This was exactly what I wanted to see. I wish they kind of taken the tag off last week's episode so I could just ignore it completely. (laughs) But uh, at least they have that on there. It gives me something to go back and watch. Uh, Maybe we saw a little bit more in that part than uh, than. I thought we did, maybe, but uh, but no, love this episode. This episode was great. Um, 
all the cast that came in for this episode was really good at seeing how Ultron would deal with everything if he got the ultimate power was a, a really fun uh, what-if story. I absolutely wasn't expecting, given that we had seven episodes where it it ended and we moved on to a brand new story. I wasn't expecting that we'd be tying uh, the season up with two uh, completely connected episodes, tying everything together. I wasn't expecting that. That's not how the comic books worked, so I wasn't expecting that that's how the show would work. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they do it and how the, and how the last two uh, pay out together, how the, these last two yep. episodes tying everything into one cohesive story because, as I say, I wasn't expecting it. Um, so that's that's interesting. Looking forward to the final episode. How about yourself, Chris? I really do defend this. It, it, it's very much we're getting closer and closer to essentially the Exiles uh, TV, uh, a, a cinematic version of that comic book, which was, and I by Exiles, I mean EX. I-L-E-S. Mm, um, it right. had Blink. It had Morph. If you remember Morph from the, the animated X-Men universe, mm-hmm. like, he, um, all these fantastic characters, which basically was a quantum leap type thing where they went into each universe, fix a universe thing. And it was a, almost essentially what ifs, mm. but they were a single cohesive unit jumping, 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 trying to fix a greater threat that right. was coming. Like days of future past, right? The X-Men movie. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And that was where Blink came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also got Sabretooth and Wildchild and all these other cool characters that they could keep. Uh, and there was even a revival where we had Captain Carter at one point. I think I talked about it from the very first episode of this mm-hmm. season. Yes, we did. Um, so this is what we're moving to. And it's fun. And I, I, I will enjoy it. It's a good work. Who knows? Season two could be a quantum leap type thing where Maybe. it's the same characters going, 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 going. But. We still need to see where we go with the next episode. And I think that's the big thing. Uh-huh. Where do we end at the end of this season? Absolutely. Where do we end? Yeah. Or is it a cliffhanger? Uh, I, ho- I hope it, the next season doesn't follow the same group of characters created in season one. I'd, l- I'd love if they got back to being able to do a premise where they can tell any story they want in the multiverse. Because that's much more fun with this premise, isn't it? Yeah. And will we get a post credit scene? Will we? Oh, will we? We will find out next week. But gentlemen, that is enough of our defense. That is enough of our discussions. Let's move it on over. I am also thirsty. I need a pint. Let's go to what if we ran a pub quiz? Yes, fellow quizzers, fellow defenders, welcome to the pub quiz for episode eight of Marvel's What If. Um, Dare I say it, pick up uh, a tipple of your world destroyer, the one that will give you uh, the greatest hangover you can possibly do. So <laughs> probably a gin, probably something that's neat, uh, and, and get ready for the question from this episode. Yes, what type of takeaway does Natasha Romanov order from Avengers Tower? Easy one this week, I think. Oh yes, very. Yeah, but they have to have to gather together all nine questions and send them into us. So some yes. of them have to be easy, and they have to listen through all of our podcasts and possibly go back and watch the episode multiple times as well. So sometimes they do need to be easy, of course. Uh, if you want to enter our pub quiz, you can send in all of your answers for the pub quiz questions that we have so far to feedback at TV Podcast Industries, or you can pop over to our website where you'll see all of the questions in case you've missed any of them and uh, pop that into us as well. Uh, only two weeks left, of course, for the pub quiz for this season. So um, make sure you get your answers in before our final wrap-up episode, which will be happening, I think, the 15th of October, 14th to 15th of October, somewhere around there. So That sounds um, right. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John, do you want to give the question one more time? Certainly. What type of takeaway does Natasha Romanov order from Avengers Tower? 
Yes. Answers on the back of a postcard, a virtual postcard, also known as an email. There we have it. Don't forget, love, lovely defenders, fellow defenders, that you can support us over on Patreon. And a big call out and a special thank you to all of our new patrons, to patrons in general. Your support helps keep the lights going, the, the, our editor in caffeine and everything in between. We really do appreciate all your time, but don't forget, we understand that times are tough for everyone. So don't forget, you can also just support us by sharing the podcast, sharing the love, rating, reviewing, sharing it on social medias, or just do, you know what you're doing? Just listen here. Talk to us. Give us feedback. And speaking of feedback, first up, we have an email from Joe Steinmel, who had a question for all of us. He sent the email to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and he said, Hey, fellas, first off, I love the podcast. You guys mentioned Deadpool a couple of episodes ago. And I have a fun, nonsensical question for you. If you had the choice and could only choose one, would you rather have Deadpool 3, Deadpool Kills the Fox Marvel Universe, which is a rumoured pitch from Ryan Reynolds, or would you rather see a two-part what-if, Deadpool Killed the Marvel Universe? I would love to see both of these being a big fan of both Marvel Comics run, but I would choose the movie. Really appreciate all the work you do. Thanks. Keep up the great work, Joe S. You have one choice. You have one opportunity in the words <laughs> of Slim Shady. What is your choice? I love that Joe said, uh, which one would you choose and then chose both of them? So, yeah, uh, yeah. so there's precedence now. Uh, I'm choosing both of those. No, uh, I, I would go for, uh, what if Deadpool killed the Marvel Universe? Cause, uh, that comic series was, was pretty good for a Deadpool comic. Um, so, uh, I think that would be, it would be pretty cool to see in a what if universe. Uh, the f- kills the Fox Marvel universe. I think the difficulty with that in a movie would be getting all the cast back that, um, he'd have to go through. So I think that would be a live action movie where everybody that's ever been in a Fox movie comes back. Absolutely. But I think it'd be much more difficult than doing a what if definitely, cartoon episode. Animated. Definitely. But it is an awesome potential mm-hmm. pitch, uh, from Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I think I would go with the what if, uh, as well. Uh, what if Deadpool killed the Marvel Universe? But as well, there's precedence for me where I would say both. I'll get both. Exactly. Exactly. What about yourself, Chris, the Deadpool fan? Thank you. I was going to say, unfortunately, my um, illustrious co-hosts uh, views on good for a Deadpool comic views. The, okay, the other illustrious co-host uh, does not speak for this podcast because Daniel Wade's uh, Deadpools are some of the best most comedic comic books you will ever find. There is a C word in there, Chris, that you've probably uh, realized <laughs> is uh, the reason I don't. I'm not a big fan of Deadpool, and you know this. We've done both Deadpool movies. You know that uh, that I like them. They're funny, and then that's it. I move on. Um, so yeah, <laughs> fellow defenders, our producer in caffeine does have a sense of humor. I can promise you yeah. that. It's just a little <laughs> dark. Obviously, just uh, not for <laughs> comics. Yeah. Yes. Chris, what's your choice though? The movie. There is no, if money was not a problem, let's not assume. He said, what would we prefer? I would prefer the movie because it would be fun. Uh, and two uh, what-if episodes would only be an hour versus a nice two-and-a-half-hour chunky movie from the likes of Ryan Reynolds and the rest of them. Getting to see to kill, killing Patrick Stewart, killing James McAvoy, killing Ian McKellen. Come on, that is going to be so much fun. And I would yeah. pay to see it. And then at the end, you just see him kill Green Lantern just for the hell of it. 
again. I do love Ryan Reynolds. I'd love to see what he would do with that, with that kind of movie because uh, yeah, two and a half hours of him killing uh, other actors doesn't sound like the most fun that you could have. Oh, <laughs> Thanks so much, Joe, for your email. Interesting question. Uh, up next, we got an email in from Jerry. He says, hey, guys, this was a very exciting episode. The Watcher is a cosmic badass. Ultron killing Thanos with ease. Wow. Then killing a universe. What if is living up to its comic book counterpart? Ultron is a cosmic deity going toe-to-toe with the Watcher. Lots of Easter eggs in this episode. Maybe some views of season two in the Easter eggs, you think? Can't wait for the season finale. Jerry in Niceville. If there are views of season two, Jerry, I didn't see it. I didn't see them. Uh, I couldn't catch them. But it's, it's entirely possible. Yep, certainly could be. Um, and yeah, he is just so, so powerful, is Ultron, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Jerry. Uh, we also got an email in from Coffee and Vodka, who says, Greetings, embattled defenders. I haven't been left in anticipation of a next episode this badly since the ending of The Empire Strikes Back. Mm. <laughs> Even with the like or dislike genre hopping nature of all that came before this one. I'll leave it to everyone else as to how the stones work outside their own reality and just how many of the previous episodes might or not be considered extraneous. This one was just amazing in every respect, from Clint's very willing self-sacrifice to the reintroduction of Arnim Zola to the beaten watcher's appeal to Super Strange. Like most, probably, I'm left wondering about the voice work for Ultron. James Spader is Ultron in the same way Mark Hamill is the Joker. Mm. If he couldn't make it, who doesn't keep a Spader in their back pocket next to their (laughs) Walkton, Schwarzenegger and McConaughey? All right, all right, all right. Despite this minor bump, a fantastic penultimate episode. Five out of five exploding arrows. Peace and take care. Coffee and vodka. Thanks so much, Coffee and Vodka. Um, it's interesting, yeah. I think, um, I guess my fellow hosts here, uh, did like Ross Macron's, um, mm-hmm. interpretation of Ultron. And I don't have a problem with it, but it just didn't have that same, uh, intonation, uh, or kind of tone for mm-hmm. me. But, um, it was still good, still liked it. But yeah, I, I think, um, as you say, very minor bump. Yeah, I really liked it, I must say. Um, but we do know who doesn't have a uh, an impression of Matthew McConaughey in the back pocket. I'm still laughing at your, all right, all right, all right, John. All right, all right, all right. I just uh, could not. Um, I don't have that draw. Uh, if you do want to see uh, Ross Marcon's uh, impersonations of Walken Schwarzenegger and Matthew McConaughey, I'm sure he does them on his uh, on his uh, his impersonations video. Thanks so much, Coffee Vodka. Great email. Yes, thank you, Coffee and Vodka. Uh, or in the immortal words of McConaughey, all right, all right, all right, I gotta get over to the next video or email. <laughs> we have an email from Victor Sellers who said, Greetings, Derek, John, Chris, and fellow Defenders. I am so impressed with how the Marvel team have brought these episodes together. It's a great flagship lead-in to the Multiverse of Madness, and boy, do they have a fleet of Leedens. Mm-hmm. I love Natasha slinging Cap Shield and Ultron taking out Thanos Homelander style. That's true. When did Hawkeye get a Wakandan artificial arm? The sound was also great. It gave my home theatre system a real workout. I see Uatu is there, is about to interfere for good reason. Will the other watchers show up to help or chastise him? They seem to choose the latter in the past. Mm-hmm. 
the extremely powerful Strange Supreme, aka the Heartbreak Kid, <laughs> may help even the odds against Ultron. Perhaps we will get to visit the universe where Hank Pym created a monster by accident. It scarred Pym forever, along with all the other tragedies that made him the madman we met in episode three. I can hardly wait for episode nine. As always, I look forward to your podcast and defenders' feedback. Excelsior, Victor Von Doom. Thanks, Victor. Uh, yeah, it is definitely going to be a good lead-in, and I think we're you're right. I think we're going to get this um, additional visits, as we said. We've kind of discussed it already, but I think we're going to get this multiversal defenders kind of pulled together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great stuff, Victor. I love the uh, AKA heartbreak kid. Uh, a little touch as well there to Jessica Jones, I think, um, with the AKA. Well, there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. I like it. I like it. Uh, thanks so much, Victor. Uh, on to Donald Dennis, who also sent us an email. He says, Greetings, fellow defenders. Wow, I think this is my favorite episode to date. Even though the Peggy Carter episode was the one that raised the fewest flags of disbelief, this one really went to new places. The fight that flashed through different realities was a great bit. The scope and rising stakes of this episode were unimaginably high, and my wife wailed out in literal frustration when the final credits ran. The character interactions were interesting, and Zola specifically was great to have back. Uatu, the Watcher, is getting sloppy. Two different entities, Doctor Strange and Ultron, have both sensed him watching. Also, did he seem a bit out of character? He dropped an H-bomb when he was surprised, engaged in hand-to-hand with Ultron, and seemed legitimately taken aback by what was going on. That said, I felt Uatu's frustration at Clint giving up right before the critical moment. It was almost like a parent watching their child get frustrated with a lesson right before they learn it. So potentially heartbreaking. Was Uatu in something like a mirror dimension when he was discovered? Who will Uatu get for his multiversal defenders? Will it be someone from each previous episode? If so, will we see Zombie Scarlet Witch joining up? <laughs> Tony Stark's inventions always perform way above spec, don't they? That his AI <laughs> could adapt that well and absorb so many powers is pretty incredible. How do they even learn of ego? But still, Ultron is so limited, having to fly from planet to planet and using a death beam instead of just snapping like Thanos did. If Ultron really understood the power that he had with the stones, he'd have been, and I can't believe I'm saying this, much more dangerous. Also, for two cosmic-powered beings, there was a lot of face-punching. You'd have thought they would have other resources to use other than their fists and feet, but once again, we see Ultron's limitations and Iwatu's previous belief that he was untouchable. In all, it felt like they were really trying to push the multiverse before we get the multiverse of madness. Maybe so they don't have to do so much explanation in the upcoming movies. Long term, I wonder if this makes What If a one-off series, or if every season will tie together. I'd hate for them to think the episodes had to tie in like this every season. There is so much potential in the title What If. Cheers, Donald Dennis. Thanks, Donald. Totally with you on that. I'm really hoping that when we do get a second season, it will be... A, a standalone stories once again yeah. for the season because just the potential is there that um, you can't do in any other way other than with with this uh, this form of um, of animated storytelling that they've been doing this season and I'm like I'm really excited that these last two episodes are going to tie up but uh, I'd love to see some really unusual stories in one of season two. Yeah, thanks, uh, Donald, for for the feedback. Um, I, I think, uh, yeah, I Zombie Scarlet Witch. I just don't know whether they can control <laughs> her if she comes into the multiversal defenders. She'll probably have a trying to have a snack on Uatu, yeah. um, as well. But I guess, yeah, she is powerful 
with the the chaos power of Wanda, mm. and she can use her teeth as well. So there's that little, dare I say it, uh, incisor edge to her oh. attack. Oh dear! But she is up against a up against an android robot, you know. So probably not the best use of a, of a person with that they those can- types of powers. It doesn't matter. She doesn't feel any pain now she's a zombie, so she can just bite through the metal. I wonder if maybe the cliffhanger at the end of the season is that while fighting Ultron, they've released the Marvel zombies and all of the multiverses. Ooh. Yeah, that's That's interesting. And actually, speaking of uh, Stark tech uh, operating way above anything, I think the vibranium does as well, to be honest. Um, Because, let's face it, um, Thanos's cleaver did take a chip out of uh, out of uh, Cap uh, Captain's shield. So uh, in Endgame, mm-hmm. so like he was left with like about half of it. So uh, even the vibranium is pretty um, sort of operating above spec as well here. I think. Yes, thank you so much, Donald. Uh, and yes, uh, in these shows, uh, not in real life, punchy, punchy, kicky, kicky is usually a great way to solve problems versus universe-ending Infinity Stone versus universe-ending Infinity Power. It's yeah. usually just punch him in the face, catch him off guard, and then maybe try to kill him is kind of why, why the punchy-punchy happens. Uh, yes. Definitely. Thanks, Donald. Yeah, thanks, Donald. Over on Twitter, uh, Matt Murdick at Musical Concept says, No music feedback this week, but I dug this one. Everyone clamoring for the Watcher to get involved finally got their wish. Also, the Ultron awareness of different universes ties in nicely to He Who Remains and all of his variants coming. Mm. Uh, yes, uh, the great stuff, Matt. Uh, and yes, shame we don't have any musical feedback, but it can't be done all the time Absolutely. for sure. Yes, but Ultron's awareness of the different universes and He Who Remains and his time line variants um yes that is a that's a nice little connection mm. there between the two yeah him being aware of all the different versions of uh, he remains possibly one called kang and another uh, multiverse uh, possibly coming soon yes that's a nice little touch that's uh, that's seen here in this episode thanks so much matt and please follow matt over on twitter at musical concepts if you want to know what other podcasts he's doing because he is doing uh, some musical uh, yes. feedback for loads of other podcasts as well and doing some on, uh, some of his own podcasting too great to listen to yes please do that gen- ladies and gentlemen boys and girls and fellow defenders now let's move on over to facebook where Depending on where you would like to, you can go to facebook.com slash TV Podcast Industries or head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash TV Podcast Industries where we've got a host of feedback and engagement. But more importantly, first up, we have Trevor Green who said, what if the Infinity Stones didn't become useless paperweights when outside of their universe? I was really enjoying this episode until Ultron started jumping from universe to universe, although it was quite visually spectacular. Or does the paperweight thing only happen in the TVA? Thanks, Trevor. Yeah, we've had this discussion. <laughs> Let's just say, what if some of the rules didn't work and what we assumed <laughs> said was said before didn't wasn't the case? But I think they've explained it. I think I think they've they've essentially made us assume one thing and made you know what happens when they make an assumption. You make 
An assumption. I'm not going to say the rest of it. I love that it's the royal we when you got something wrong, Chris. We were right about it. And we talked about it last week on the podcast as well. We no, were, no, we no. Were right we were Your not. Your assumption no. was that once it comes out of a universe, it doesn't work. We we explained it to you last week before this episode. And now they've confirmed it in this episode. So uh, we understand the confusion, Trevor. I didn't set this up so Chris read that feedback out, I promise. Um, of course not. But I will just say very again. We are an entity and a team. <laughs> we got it wrong. We are an ineffective team. No. Exactly. <laughs> I don't accept this, Chris. We have separate defense. We have I separate am points. the royal uh, queen you, here. You are, you are the one <laughs> you that got are it wrong. not. I am. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks, thanks so much for that, Trevor. I hope uh, the episode explained it to you, or at least our podcast explained it to you. Uh, also over on Facebook, Heather Wallace says, this was very good. Uh, when we knew the ominous Ultron from last week's fluff episode was appearing again, I wondered if the stories weren't standalone, but linked across the multiverse. Halfway through this week, something occurred to me that I hadn't thought of before. Who is the Watcher talking to each week? What if it's not a narrative device, but the Watcher has brought together a band of heroes from each universe, and he's telling their stories to the group so they understand how they fit together? Ah. Oh, Brilliant, Heather. That was exactly my thought. Well done. Yes, and I love that you called it the fluff episode yeah, as well. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, Heather continues, my prediction is that we will recruit episode 1's Captain Carter and Hawkeye, 2's T'Challa and his merry band, 3's Nick Fury and maybe Loki, 4's Dark Doctor Strange in his own universe, 5's Peter Parker, 6's Killmonger, not because he's a hero, but because he's pragmatic and smart, 7's Thor and Captain Marvel, and 8's Black Widow, and together they will take on Ultron. I really liked seeing the Watcher push to frustration with Clint and seeing his he's not impartial. I can't wait to see what happens next. I, al- I was also counting the number of times Nat does her superhero pose, just in case this is John's pub quiz question this week. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's all about takeout this week. Oh, dear, Heather. You've done all that work and it's one line of dialogue. <laughs> it's all about the takeaway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, but I-, I hope you get the I hope you get the answer correct, mm-hmm. Heather. No bias, but I hope you do. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think I think you predicted the team really well there from uh, from the previous episodes as well, Heather. Yes, Heather's even gotten Thor in there just just so he can continue to annoy you uh, into the final. Thor doesn't annoy me. Just just certain versions of Thor annoy me, particularly party <laughs> Thor. Thanks, <Woo-hoo>, party. <laughs> Thanks so much, Heather. Uh, also over on Facebook, Greg Schwab says, I love when a story comes together. Having said that, I'm back to having a pit in my stomach again. The constant dread both excites me and bums me out, which leads to the odd combination of dying to see the next instalment, but in definitive fear of what will happen. Basically, like every episode of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Overall, I'm digging the storyline. I looked forward to last week. And the crashing of the multiverse is coming. Yes, I think it certainly is. I don't um, think that goes in a t-shirt as much as winter is coming, does it? <laughs> the crashing of the that multiverse would be is hilarious. coming. Hilarious. Yes, Game of Thrones. You, you definitely need a, a stiff drink. I think it was what was it? Series four, three, four, and five probably mm. uh, had some pretty um, yes dark moments. It was just taking that deep breath before the episode began because you knew there was going to be some brutality and lots of death happening. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Thanks so much, Greg. Yes, thank you, Greg. Uh, Next up, we have feedback from Richard Blaze, who said this. I enjoyed that. However, I still grumble it's over far too quick. The Avengers taken down. Was that Hulk 
in a blob form, or was it just the angle? <laughs> the watcher hilarious. this week seemed to change his characterization dramatically from Zerber to sack this off, I need to pull my <laughs> finger out. The design of Ultron Vision Thanos, I wasn't a huge fan of too much slash little helmet going on. Either have it or don't. Loved how Ultron was hitting the Watcher though, and it kept flipping between the universes. All set up nicely for next week now. Really well done how they seem to be rounding it off and makes a serial from standalone episodes. Thanks, Rich. Yeah, I was I'm kind of with you with the, the helmety bit. It's kind of like it wasn't full helmet. It wasn't. It was like face plate up, face plate down, face with half face face. It just, it, it was kind of there. So obviously Richard and yourself, Chris, would be no use riding a motorbike with the visor up or down. Well, no, if you're going to have it, like if you're riding a motorbike, you have it down. You don't just like have it half up at some points because at one point it was up to his nose and then it came all the way down and then it came all the way. It just, he needed to choose the visor type. Was it a halfway? Was it a full helmet? Was it no helmet? You know, you gotta, you gotta commit. Come on, Voltron. Sort it out. I, I do like, uh, Richard's, uh, description of whether Hulk was a, a blob or not in, mm. in, uh, in Avengers Tower. So I definitely need to see that again because that would be, that would be great. It's almost like he could get sort of, you know, sparked up by Tony Stark. And then I think the blob would really, or blob Hulk would mm. definitely, uh, instead of the incredible Hulk, the blob Hulk or the blobby Hulk, I guess, the incredible um, blob, would maybe? definitely, maybe he's um, no longer a Hulk. Um, well, that's true. Yeah, uh, but it would definitely give, uh, Ultron a, a run for his money. I didn't notice that. I wonder if it was just, if it is a reference to, to, um, potentially, Ultron using the same powers that we saw Thanos use uh, against the Guardians of the Galaxy. Remember, he turned, um, didn't he turn Drax into pieces and make him yep. fall to the floor? So maybe yeah. he's using the reality stone to turn Hulk into a big blob. Yes, could have done. Yeah. And, and certainly, yes, this is where the Watcher decided to shrug off his student days and actually <laughs> do some housework, I guess. Um, <laughs> I just sat here watching it. <laughs> I just sat here and watched it. Yeah, yeah. but now I'm going to do something. Yeah, thanks, thanks so much, Richard. Thanks, Richard. Uh, Ray from Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast says, this was another winner of an episode, partly due to the different sort of scare that it delivers. When Ultron starts to hear the Watcher, then eventually breaks through to the nexus of multiverses, my eyes could not have been more agog. I was maxi-gogged. Thus, Ultron <laughs> would have been would have to be the most dangerous entities roaming around. Dispatching Thanos also proves, produced gogginess. And visually, again, this animation was stunning. Black Widow and Hawkeye opening Gambit was also a treat. Loved it all round. Fantastic, right? Totally agog. Absolutely. And it could be ultra gogged as well. Uh, just, yeah, as well. Mm. Yeah, it's I do like gogged. gogged. Yeah. Gogged is a good, good word. I like it. Absolutely. And fellow defenders, if you're reading the new, um, Moon Knight series, uh, of course, Ray, on Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast is covering every issue of that that's coming out. I think we're three issues into the story. It's been really, really good so far. So, uh, go check out Ray's podcast about, uh, about, um, Moon Knight, the new series. Yeah. Thanks so much, uh, Ronaldo. Um, Dr. Bob Phillips says, We are back to the world of gigantic battles and superheroes against supervillains. Couple of things I wondered from this one. Do all languages have the same layered meaning of the word peace, where it refers to the absence of war and the, the quiet of sound? 
I was also anticipating them breaking the fourth, or would that be 434th wall at some point, but it never quite seemed to come. Thanks, Bob. Um, that would have been really good, actually, for them to have broken the fourth wall mm. um, in this as well, just to really connect our universe into the impending doom coming from from Ultron. Um, and yes, I, the, the, the textured layering of the word peace um, can also mean <laughs> total obliteration at the hands of nuclear warheads as well. Uh-huh. I, I, I'm intrigued to see uh, if that word is uh, is used in all of the translations around the around the uh, the world. Effectively, so if, you know, in French, is they are they using the French for peace? In Germany, are they using the, the German for peace? Uh, all around the world, are they using the exact same word? Because I do think Ultron's inter- interpretation of the world is very different <laughs> to what most people who would be crushed under his boot uh, would be thinking that interpretation is. Well, I guess nuclear annihilation doesn't even bring peace to like. Deers or elephants. Or the people or... who died from it. No, yes. exactly. Cockroaches, it does. Cockroaches, Cockroaches yeah. yeah, I guess. That's why they're so yeah. irritated all the time. They're they're like, oh, just the world to be silent, please. Yeah, yeah and even tardigrades, um, for, like we saw in Ant-Man as well. Hmm, they'd be pretty happy yeah. if... Uh, oh, they'll, no be, they'll be like a pig in, well, you know what. Space, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, we do know now that Ultron is essentially Bjork, the singer-songwriter. It's all so quiet. <laughs> oh there you go. There See, I got, at least go. a few people got that. Yeah. You've got you a so song. You've got a song in there. Yeah, thanks so much, Dr. Bob. Also, David Page says, great episode. Just think we live in such times where we can enjoy such content. Finally, we get to see The Watcher in action. Yes, uh, and didn't we just... Uh, as I say, I, I really like that. Uh, mm. I really... Liked him suiting and booting and, and getting the old, uh, yeah, the kind of, I guess, Roman-esque gladiatorial type look uh, on him to, to fight Ultron. He's certainly really powerful. I do, I do wonder, you know, there was a, a question that we didn't actually answer there in our feedback. Just will we see other watchers coming down and basically, uh, going up against the watcher because he's now interfering, which is, against their core tenet. So that would also be quite interesting to see if we have yeah. this this Watcher versus all of the other Watchers uh, in the universe because he's broken his oath. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Or will he be replaced by someone else? Maybe someone like a Fury. <gasps> anyway, let's move on over to our voicemails because you know we have the voicemails and you can send in voicemails too by sending them to feedback at TV Podcast Industries. First up, we have a voicemail from Ryan on the season so far. How you doing? Ryan here. I know I've been quiet for a bit. I've been saving my build-up for this till now. And um, there's reasons for this. I've liked it, the What If series that is, but it's been up and down a bit for me. So I didn't want to call in with a negative reviews. Although I haven't had negative vibes of it. I've just had ones episodes where I've been like, eh, okay. You know, in general, I've enjoyed it. Last week really pulled me back in. Uh, sorry, this week. My, my bad, sorry. This week's episode, episode eight really pulled me back in and really made me realise, ah, this is kind of interlinked or, you know, it is going to make sense with the other episodes because that's what I think what people are finding hard. This is just my opinion. Now you've got people who are, one, not liking animation, and that's that's down to them. I don't get it. Marvel is based off comics and we've all, all loved animation when we were kids, so I don't get it. One of my friends is saying he just can't watch it because it's animation. And I'm like, mate, it's Marvel. <laughs> this is all based off comics, what we used to read back in the day anyway. So there's that sense to it. Um, but 
for me personally, it's up and down, and I I am enjoying it. I have watched certain episodes more than once, and there's certain episodes I haven't even bothered to watch again. Last week's Party 4 episode was funny, it was cool, but I haven't watched it again. I didn't need to. Uh, All the information I found out was cool, it was fine. For me, at the moment, I'm watching this with my daughter, and this is my proud moment. My daughter's coming up to be nine, and she wanted to get into the Marvel stuff, so you can imagine how proud I was, guys. The beaming smile across my face when she said, can we start to watch some of the MCU stuff? And I thought, let's start off with this. We watched the Captain Carter episode first week, and she absolutely loved it. And then it came to watching stuff like the uh, Doctor Strange episode, and she absolutely got really scared. And after that, I thought, I might need to screen these before. But in general, there's a lot of, I think, new fans that might come onto this. I like it. My daughter likes it, you know, but I've got my mate who's a massive Marvel head and we watch all the films together. He doesn't like it and he's not getting into it. So, you know, I can only speak from my point of view. I've enjoyed this so far. Let's see what episode nine brings. And yeah, guys, once again, thank you for the amazing feedback and loving the guest you had on last week, too. It was I'm not going to lie, guys, from someone who's been listening, listening from the Defender days. It was a bit strange hearing a different voice with you guys. But in general, it's good. It's really good. So, again, thank you very much for all the hard work. And I'll be sending my Chang-Chi with Shang-Chi review in when it's possible. So thanks a lot. Speak to you soon. Bye bye. Ryan, so great to hear from you again. Yeah, really great to hear from you, Ryan. And I'm absolutely chuffed uh, that your your daughter is getting herself um, into uh, the Marvel MCU through What If mm-hmm. with with her dad. So that's great, great stuff. With and a little that, help from Ryan. Yeah, definitely and, check the episodes before showing. Yeah, I can yeah. absolutely imagine that the the Strange Supreme uh, episode mm-hmm. scared um, kids or, or could have done. I mean, as I say. I I jumped in Toy Story 3. That's so, true. I mean, you know, anything is possible. <laughs> anything could scare somebody. Yes, yeah, it really is. <laughs> Excellent, Ryan. I'm glad, I'm glad you've been enjoying the podcast as well. Um, yeah. I know it was a bit of a change having Jason here last week, but it was a lot of fun, especially because I was so down in the episode. It was great to have another voice there that's, uh, that was more positive towards it too. Really good to have him on. I know uh, it is unusual having a, having a different voice on here because it's been just the three of us, really, for the last... Uh, Six years for the most part. Yeah. We both, of course, had Irene, yeah. uh, who was our former host of Defenders TV podcast. Uh, and I think we've had one other guest on. I think Claire Laffer from Defenders. Uh, yeah. And then we have Jason. So, uh, so one every three years, I think, is where we where we're looking at for. That's our, not a bad. That's not a bad guests. number. Like we can yeah. keep to that. Also, like to be fair, it's good to shake things up every now and again. You're probably getting bored of listening to me try and sing all the time yes so it's yes great. we are chris stop yeah. trying to sing that will no. sort that out stop trying to perfect no 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 no, no 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 this is the way they will do it but gentlemen we have one more voicemail uh, from the one the only uh, steve brown otv podcast industries this is steve uh this is for what if ultron one this one man uh it got me uh i love the interaction between natasha and uh and Clint in this one, and I love the imagery of, of him falling down, very similar to uh, sacrificing of Nat for the Soul Stone. Can't wait to hear you guys talk about this one, and I can't wait to hear everybody else's thoughts on it. All right, talk to you later. Thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, it got a, I think that's fair. It got a lot of people, be it good, be it bad, majority, primarily good. Uh, and yeah, uh, you are the second person now outside of uh, 
Johnners here who uh, caught the Vormir uh, Endgame piece that I saw. Um, but yeah, great. Yeah, Thanks really good feedback. to hear from you, Steve. Um, I think you're being run a little bit ragged at the moment because we have our <laughs> episodes of Why the Last Man, which Steve is also sending feedback in. We've got What If happening every week. I know uh, Strange Indeed is covering Midnight Mass at the moment, so uh, Steve's sending in feedback to them and Walking Dead's back, so Steve's sending in his voicemails to them as well. And he's got his own podcast as well, Panels to Pixels, where he's recording thoughts about What If every week. So loads going on. Always appreciate you taking the time to send in your feedback to us or your voicemail to us, Steve, uh, and to everybody else who's been sending in the feedback to us. Yeah. If you want to send in feedback to us, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Yeah, thanks so much, Steve, and to all our other fellow defenders for the feedback, whether it by typing or by vocalization. It is fantastic stuff. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. We'll be back next week to talk about the finale of What If Season 1 Episode 9, what we can only potentially... What if it was called What If Was Ending? Ooh. What if Season 1 was over? There is a Season yeah. 2 coming, remember? There is so a Season is just, 2. There uh, is. This is just the first season. Uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Yep. Don't forget, we're also covering Why the Last Man every week. Where we'll, This week, we'll be covering Episode 5. Yes, Manhunt is on Ooh, over there. Yeah, Man-hunt? No, M-A-N-N hunt. And comic Ooh. book fans will know what that means. Or anybody who's watched the episode will know what that means too. Yes. <laughs> yes. But we will be covering that later that week. Hopefully you'll join us for that and what and uh, what if. And of course, our coverage of Why the Last Man will continue uh, after What If finishes up next week. Yes. But there you go. Thank you so much for joining us. It is a pleasure to have you with us each and every week. We'll speak to you again soon. Bye. Yep. Thanks so much, fellow defenders. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep defending. Bye.